0: Verses 23 through 28, Luke 9, verses 23 through 38. Awesome. We're going to read that in just a moment. There. Um, in life, you know, we can go through so many changes and so many things that God has to teach us over and over and over again. Tonight, um, the title of the message is called, no pun intended, the cycle of seeds. (laughs) Um, Just think to yourself about the one thing or maybe many things that God's had to teach you over and over again. Um, I know in the course of my life there's been numerous issues or even words that God has given me that I either haven't grasped or haven't really uh, gotten victory over or gone through exactly what He wants me to go through, so He has to teach me again. In 2009... It was probably one of the most grueling times of my life. Uh, Through this time, God laid upon my heart a message um, that is going to hopefully take you through and hopefully better equip you to grasp, understand, and implement what God shows you when you're on each cycle. Uh, Let's look at our main passage in Luke 9. I'm going to be reading from the New English translation, so it's a little different. That's why. Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world, but loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory. And in the glory of the Father... And of the holy angels, but I tell you most certainly, there are some standing here who will not experience death before they see the kingdom of God. What a powerful passage that uh, that Jesus is laying out for his disciples. Um, in this passage, uh, in verse twenty three, he lays out um, the first cycle that we're going to talk about, which is the cycle of confrontation. The cycle of confrontation. He says. If anyone wants to become my followers, he was what? Must deny himself. Right? Jesus in this passage is asking his own disciples to confront what they must do to be his disciples. They must confront themselves. The question we need to ask ourselves is the same. Will I deny myself? Just like Dustin said. Well, I'm gonna am I gonna deny myself? To go forward what I don't want to go and do all these things that I want to do, am I going to deny myself? Um, to lose sight of our own interest. Um, the word deny means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Just recently I was asked to do this painful but joyful experience um, because I knew what it would mean in the long term or else I thought I knew what it would mean in the long term. Uh, I'd been serving faithfully in, the, uh, in this church for about three years and God had been working in my spirit uh, as I was reading through 1 Corinthians 13 about the gifts. And he was leading me through uh, all kinds of neat things and really showing me a whole lot and studying and walking through with Mandy some of these things that uh, he was revealing were not quite lining up with where I thought our church quote unquote doctrinally stood. So I approached my pastor and said, Hey, I'm really uh I'm having some issues here. And uh it didn't go too well uh in the fact that we just couldn't agree on it. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I began to question was why God was doing this and why this experience I know happened in my life, and yet the person right in front of me is denying that it exists. Um so it's it's funny that the very thing that God wants us to uh, to confront sometimes is the very thing that some people don't even see. Um, one of uh, as I begin to pray more, experience more, I talked to my pastor, and we definitely couldn't agree on this. Um, I was confronted with a choice of following where I believed God's Spirit was leading, or choosing what was pleasing my flesh. Because let me tell you. Um, what I thought would happen long term, if I chose to, if I chose to be obedient, I'd be in a big church, I'd be spirit filled, I'd be every, I'd get a great job, have financial security. That's what I thought was going to happen if I chose to go where I felt that God was leading me to. Um, if I didn't, I had the same job, I had all these same issues. Um, but let me tell you, um, I didn't plan to work at Starbucks, and I didn't plan to uh, give guitar lessons, piano lessons, and I didn't plan to speak and preach God's word uh, in a church uh, that God has blessed me with. But I can tell you this, that through that, this confrontation was something that totally changed my life. Um, And the second point of this confrontation was a confrontation of conforming. Look in Romans 12 with me real fast. Romans 12. One of my favorite passages in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I had to answer a question. Was I going to be more informed by what others thought I should be conformed to, or should I be conformed to more of what God desires from me? Let's look at Romans 12. It says, Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, alive, holy, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. So, here's the key verse. Do not be conformed to what? This present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what the will of God, what good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Now, I have to tell you... um, Again, this is one of the chapters that I have my worship team memorize. It's one. It's 21 verses long. It's one of the, the most impactful uh, chapters of my life uh, in the Word. Uh, look at this. It says, it doesn't say in view of Dustin's intelligence or in view of Cody's strength or in view of Matt's ability. What does it say? In view of God's mercies. So there's something there that is not... Of ourselves. It makes me think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Back in Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed in Lord, but be transformed. We are completely to trust in Him because of who God is, but also, there's an act that follows that we must do. We are required to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I always thought this passage was a funny image because most of us know what happens with living sacrifices, right? They crawl off the altar. It's hard for a living sacrifice to remain on the altar. It's such an incredible picture, but at the same time, there are so many times in my life where I know that God's called me to be a living sacrifice in this area of my life. And yet, I'm not quite ready to be up on the altar. So I get down and I'm uh, in disobedience. Um, back to our point of confrontation of performing. We would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because there's a blessing there. It says to test and approve what the will of God is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I don't know if you guys see the parallel between the the proverb that that I just told you about and this. It's by being transformed we can know, not guess, not somewhat know, know the will of God. But also that he'll make your path straight. It's not just a knowledge of, hey, I know something, but God's not lighting that path. No, he's going to uh, light that path for you. Um, let's look at Ephesians 5, 6 through 14 real fast. Ephesians 5, 6. Am I talking too fast? Yeah. No. Nope. Okay, good. My wife says sometimes I talk too fast. To Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 14. Cody, read that for us. Yes. have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them for it is, sh- it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret But everything is exposed by the light because it vi- becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible this is what why is it said wake up O sleeper rise from the dead and christ will shine on you but now you are light in the world walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. There's a confrontation there. We are to confront or allow the Holy Spirit to confront in our lives where the dark places are, correct? Um, one of the things that uh, as we look there also is the fruit, uh, this idea of fruit of light consistent in all goodness. We're going to move on in just a moment to talk about the fruit uh, that comes in our next cycle but I wanted you to remember uh, this fruit of the light that consists in all goodness so keep that in in your mind as we move forward as Christians we have to walk in the light so that there is no areas that are hidden because this is one of my favorite phrases now what is hidden cannot be healed what is hidden cannot be healed. If there's an area of your life that seems to be um, closed off, or there's an area of your life that nobody knows about, that's a problem. It says that his spirit, and that we are to be through his spirit, light to a dark world and have no part of the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. Expose them where the things they do in secret are even shameful to mention. In this cycle of confrontation, we must always evaluate what is the goal. It's to help us learn, to trust, or have faith in one guiding us. But if we're unwilling to confront ourselves or deny ourselves, we miss out on the next cycle that God is in store for us. The next cycle is the cycle of communication. So you have the cycle of confrontation, and then secondly, you have the cycle of Communication. Let's look back at Luke 9 again in our passage. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them, if any wants to be my follower, he must deny himself and take up his cross when he wants to, when he feels like it, daily. This is an act. Jesus is trying to communicate something. He's trying to communicate they were take up their cross daily. What's so vital about that, uh, That the, about the daily aspect? It was the communication of control. Um, this word has special meaning for me because there was a time in my life where the whole world that I had thought I had a firm grasp on just completely imploded and exploded. Um was a time when um, I thought I had control of my marriage and what was going on. And uh, God had other plans for me and for what I thought I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. And uh, I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute. Um, I got ahead of myself. I hate when I do that. (laughs) Let's look at... uh, A few scriptures that deal with this idea of control first, taking up our cross daily. Uh, The first one is just a few chapters over in Luke 14. That's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. (laughs) Luke 14, 27. This was a hard verse for me to swallow. Whoever does not carry his cross and follow me might not. Is that what it says? cannot be my disciple it was a requirement for us to carry our own cross and follow so what was the cross it was an object used for the most wretched criminals to put them to death yet for us it was the beginning of life because Christ because of Christ's death and resurrection so what does it mean take up your cross daily what does that look like what is it something uh, what is it how do I live that out? Uh, I believe it means that you're willing to give up and put to death anything that would hinder you from following Christ with your whole heart. Matt talked a little bit about that tonight. Christ requires all of who we are in our lives. We are to daily die to ourselves, but also put to death anything that would hinder us from following Christ with every aspect. Uh, Let's flip over to Galatians 5.24. I know I've gotten you running. You probably feel like Eric's up here as much as I am. (laughs) Five what? Five twenty-four. Now those who belong to Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Um. The any uh let me warn you that this is not the most pleasant process, obviously. The word crucified is the Greek word saturu, which means to destroy its power utterly. The nature of the... This is hard to understand a little bit because it's wordy. It's not my word. The nature of the figure implying that the destruction is attended to with intense pain. That's what the word crucified means. Right. Which means to destroy its power utterly. The nature of the figure implying that the destruction is attended to with intense pain. In other words, we are to utterly destroy the passions and desires of our flesh that would hinder us from following wholeheartedly what Christ has done. But realize this is going to cause intense pain. Let me read it again. It's going to hurt if you follow what God tells you to do. Amen. If the choice you made to follow Christ has never included intense pain, not pain because of your sin, but because of your choice to follow Him or your obedience, you might consider that you might not belong to Him. Let me say that one more time again. If there has not been a time where your obedience has included intense pain, You might ought to check whether or not you belong to Him. Pretty scary thing. So let's look at what are the things of the flesh we're supposed to put to death. Turn to Colossians 3, verse 5. Awesome. It says, put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. Sexual immorality, impurity, shameful—excuse pa- me—shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. This word for sexual immorality was fornea, which is where we get the, the word pornography from. It just means all explicit sexual uh, immorality. I mean, it's got a list of all kinds of gross, disgusting things that I would rather not give you a list of. Uh, impurity, shameful passion, and evil desires. Um, Are very similar in nature But these are the passions That can perpetuate a life That hungers for what is evil Let me read that again These are the things Or the passions that can Perpetuate a life That hungers for what is evil A life that hungers For what is evil So what that tells me Is that we need to have a hunger For what is good and for what is right and what is pure. Think upon these things, Paul says. Uh, Then lastly, greed, a desire to strive or attain more, which leads to idolatry. Uh, Let's unpack it a little bit. How does this fit into the cycle of communication? Communication is supposed to be two ways, right? Yes. Christ has communicated to you and me what's required of us, and we are to communicate to him by what we do, or how we are obedient as to how which we love him. Um, it should show that he's in full control of every aspect of our lives, but what we are willing to give up, but also what we put to death. This is modeled to us by Christ uh, in First Peter. Turn with me to first Peter four. Verses one through two. Man, she's on it tonight. First Peter four, verses one and two. So since Christ suffered in the flesh, you also arm yourselves with the same attitude. That's a that's a weird phrase. I didn't even pick up on that this morning when I was studying. Arm yourselves. That's very pictorial, isn't it? Yes. What is that? I mean, when I think of arm, I think of what? Battle. I think of... Yeah. Going to the mattresses, of the Godfather would say. You are arming yourselves with the same attitude. So what was Christ's attitude? Christ's attitude was that he suffered in the flesh because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. And in that he spends the rest of his time. This is a good verse. we read this lower. In that he spends the rest of his time on earth concerned about myself, what I want. No, the will of God and not human desires. We're supposed to have that same attitude. Um, I can't think of a better day when I'll be through with sin. I won't have to battle it. It won't be an issue in my life. It'll be such an incredible time. Uh, For most of us, the control is something that we love to think we have. Right? I'm in control. Or at least we think we are. I can tell you right now that control is an absolute illusion. Absolute illusion. This is the story I was going to tell earlier. On February 5th, 2009, It was a Thursday evening. I had just gotten through with worship practice. had a great time. Came home, walked in the door. Um, My then wife, Bonnie, was on the couch looking concerned or upset or something. I didn't really know what was going on. And sat down on the couch. She looked at me. And even today when I was writing this, I could still feel the throw up building up in my stomach. She looked at me and said, I've had an affair. I've cheated on you in every way possible. And I'm pregnant by another man. At that moment, I knew that control was an absolute illusion. I had no control over what I thought I had such a grasp on. There was not a time in my life other than then when I was totally floored to the point where I didn't know up from down, sideways. I didn't know where I was at or what was going on. Um, There's a question I had to answer for myself. That question was, do I believe what I say I believe or don't I? Do I believe what I say I believe or don't I? Because obviously what I'm going to do or what I'm about to do and how I deal with this situation is going to tell people that. Um, For me, it was handling the situation in a way that most people probably, I don't know if they would or not. I called my then pastor and told him what was going on. This is probably six minutes after she told me. She looked at me and said, you're crazy. You're going to lose your job. I said, I don't care. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And at that time, I had no clue of knowing, but that was the only thing that kept me from losing my job. because I was transparent, because I was humble, because I told them everything that was going on and what happened. and um, It was just at that moment, I was communicating to others around me as well as to God that your will is more important than my comfort. Let me say that again. Your will is more important than my comfort. Amen. It was an amazing experience of pain. Emotional distress, crying out at the top of my lungs in my house, telling God, don't bend me anymore, I'm about to break. It was a time of incredible healing. But it was also a time of intense pain that I saw his mercy and his love like I can't even begin to explain to you in words. There was a joy when I had nothing to be joyful about. There was a sense of hope that I never saw. Hope is the evidence of things unseen, right? Right? Just what you talked about today. Hope is the evidence of things you didn't know existed yet. That's what we're looking at with this cycle of communication. It communicates control or the illusion that we need to be taken away from. That He is in control. That He is in complete control. I wanted to read to you a poem that I wrote during this particular time. I was trying to come up with something through this uh, time period of what I was going through. I'm just going to read it. It says, The heart of the longing, the hurt of one who trusts, The giving of oneself, the payment of love is a must. The brokenhearted, bankrupt, and alone, the healer of all things remains unknown. Open my eyes which see new light. Embrace the picture of what is to come. The hope that lies waiting, wrapped in fear-filled love. Wisdom is sought after, knowledge doomed by fear. For the habits of old plaguing like a cancer eating at the flesh. Surrender all? What? Can that be done? To give away the illusions oh that oh that that would be the case, taunted by the past, but hoping in the future, lying in wait for direction for the way will be revealed. This is just a simple person's cry out to God of hope not being seen. But being looked for. In the cycle of confrontation, God is going to confront you, or somebody else may be that confrontation for you. The Holy Spirit may be confronting you. But then the cycle of communication is what God is communicating to you that you need to do, to die to, to sacrifice, to crucify of the flesh. And to take up your cross daily, which is our next cycle, which is cycle of communion. In Luke 9.23, it says to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. This again is, uh, this next verse is one of my favorites. This aspect of daily, communion. Look at John 15. There is so much in this one passage, in this one chapter that deals with so many different things that I can't even begin to deal with all that's there. Um, I'm sure that y'all have gone through what it means to be cut off and all the different things that are associated with that. But I'm not going to unpack all that's there. Let's focus in on John 15. Verse 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine. This is interesting because in the, in the book of John, there are several I am statements. Let me read some to you. I'm sure you'll remember them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. I am the way. Obviously, Jesus is trying to communicate a clearer picture of who he is and who We are. Let's read further. And my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit. By the way, that's that's a little confrontation for you. The pruning. Uh, So that it will bear more fruit. We're going to get into that in just a minute. You are clean already because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain, abide, commune in me and I will remain in you just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine so neither can you unless you remain in me my life verse I am the vine you are the branches the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me you can accomplish nothing in the cycle of communion we are pruned why to bear more fruit He makes it clear a little later in the text that it's not just fruit, but fruit that lasts, that has a lasting impact. That's the goal. So what does it mean to abide? Merriam-Webster defines the word abide as to wait for, to endure without yielding, to withstand, to bear patiently. We are to wait without yielding. I believe Christ is making a point There that we're going to be times of cycle of communion with him, that will be all the more sweet because of the waiting. Also, this is abiding is the only way in which we can bear fruit. We can't bear fruit apart from him. It's not something we can do from apart from him, this abiding and waiting upon Christ to do in us. Obviously, I shared a little bit of the pruning. Um, it's not always pleasant at first. But how sweet the fruit is and how much more fruit there will be when he's through pruning. Um, I think of my now beautiful bride. We've been married, what, a little over three months now? Is that right? Yes? She was abiding in the Lord to provide for her husband. Waiting for and abiding in him to provide. He was pruning her, but he was also providing all that she would need for when I came along. Everybody knows, or I hope we know, that I am no way perfect at all. She can (laughs) testify. But I am perfect for her. She's perfect for me. She can attest, and you have witnessed how painful but hope filled this abiding process can be throughout time and time again. What a testimony God is building in us both here. The message says, uh, verse 5, like this. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic. Pretty interesting. The relation intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you you can't produce a thing. Mandy and I can't do anything apart from Christ doing it through us in our lives. As God begins to take you through these three cycles, let's go back. What's the first cycle? Cycle of confrontation, confrontation which moves you into a cycle of communication, which leads to a cycle of communion. communion. Awesome. The result is the final C. The final C is Is consistency. That's the result. That's the goal. That's the aim. The word consistency, this is a great definition, means marked by harmony, regularity, or steady uh, continuity, free from variation or contradiction. Let me read it to you again. The word consistency means marked by harmony, regularity, or steady continuity, free from variation or contradiction. How many times have you contradicted, your actions have contradicted what you said? Over and over and over again. It's amazing to me that uh, that we keep having the same problems over and over again. Um, or to say it another way, consistency means practicing with accuracy the task set before you to yield the same results. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 4 real fast. Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 4. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse starting in verse uh, 11. It was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full statures. Excuse me, stature. So we are no longer to be children. Tossed back and forth by waves carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who can craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him the whole body grows fitted and held together. Amen. Through every supporting ligament, as each one does its part, the body grows in love, we are to mature, practicing truth and love. We must not only be honest with others, but what or what we see in others. But uh, first and foremost, we must be honest about what we see in ourselves, about what the Holy Spirit shows in us. In doing this, we are demonstrating that we are not going to be tossed back to and fro. Uh, by the waves of life that seem to drown us and drown out our hope. Because Satan wants to drown your hope, let me tell you. Whether it's a downpour of rain or whether it's uh, somebody you love and trust telling you that what you experienced didn't exist to a wife telling you that she cheated. Um, Whatever it is, what we do and how we live a consistent life is going to communicate something, not just to others around us, but to ourselves and to the God we serve. Um, I like the phrase, we are to grow up into. It's a pretty weird phrase when you think about it, to grow up into. Um, we are to, what that means to grow up into is to uh, excuse me to continually increase. Degree by degree, I think it says in uh, Second Corinthians where we were talking about the other day. To continually increase in Christ. I have some questions for you. Are you growing more today than yesterday? More than last year than... Uh, th- or have you grown more this year than last year? The goal is consistent growth. As we all progress through these cycles of... Same with me. Confrontation, communication, and communion, we will be consistent, growing followers of Christ. Our lives will be and should be a picture of consistent living, of abiding in Christ, which produces fruit that will last. John 15, end of the chapter. Everything that we should exude should exude goodness, righteousness, and truth. In doing that, We'll find out what pleases the Lord. It says that we are to be imitators of God. Um, I was trying to think of a really good imitation story. The only one that I thought that was really funny that really drove the point home was as I was growing up, my dad was working on the truck. Now, granted, my dad was the most unmechanically inclined person that there is I mean, he couldn't change a light bulb hardly. I mean, that's just he was very smart. He just didn't that wasn't his skill set. So he's out doing something in the truck and I was out. Um, I was probably out trying to help him or just watch or be with him. And uh, I remember he was doing something. And he hit his hand, his wrench slipped or something and I heard him test for the first time. That must have been probably three or four. But Matt can probably attest to this, and many of you with young children can attest to this, is that they will imitate what they hear you do. That's more tasks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're so wonderful. <laughs> but they are like little sponges, right? Yes. They do what you do. They say what you say. They act how you act. This is what Christ is trying to communicate to us through these cycles, you are to be imitators of me. Not you, not Kelsey, not Mandy, not Eric, not Matt. You are to be imitators of Christ. Um, If we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to confront us, to communicate, to commune to us, or commune with us, there's no way we can have a consistent lifestyle that's pleasing to the Father. Um, In going through these cycles of uh, and going through How how they relate I believe that we will never arrive You'll never always arrive At the consistency part In every area of your life So what I want you to do Tonight, tomorrow, whenever I want you to d- identify Where you're at What cycle are you in What are the things That God needs to confront you about Or what is the Holy Spirit Confronting you about What? Are you communicating to God? And what are you communicating to others about how you respond to those? And are you having that daily time of communion? Are you having that time where God speaks to you, gives you word? Where you, like Matt said, bless somebody just by what God's showing you. Because the ultimate goal is always to be, have a consistent follower of Christ. That's his goal. That's what he wants from us, that's what he wants us to do. And so, therefore, that is the cycle of C's. I hope that you can um, glean a little bit from what was presented tonight and that God will bless you as you uh, walk through and as you uh, deal with these things. Matt? Amen. Okay.